0: Welcome to Notes from the Electronic Cottage. I'm Jim Campbell. Though we're still far from completely being past COVID, expanding vaccination levels have made it possible to ease many travel restrictions. And along with the increase of heat and humidity, the arrival of increasing number of visitors reminds us that it's summer in Maine. That provides an opportunity to poke around in the Electronic Cottage archives to select some episodes that may still be very relevant whether to visitors from outside of the area, or to regular listeners who might have missed them the first time around. So, put your feet up, and, we hope, enjoy this Electronic Cottage Encore. Welcome to Notes from the Electronic Cottage. I'm Jim Campbell. On a recent edition of The Electronic Cottage, we suggested a technique often used by librarians for evaluating the credibility of information, particularly information found on the web. It's referred to as the CRAAP test. CRAP, in this case, C-R-A-A-P, stands for Currency, Relevance, Authority, Accuracy, and Purpose. If you missed that episode and want to find out more about this evaluation technique, that episode of The Electronic Cottage is in the Public Affairs Archive at www.weru.org. While the CRAAP test can be very helpful for many kinds of information, scientific information offers specific challenges. Most regular folks are not very conversant with the special terminologies used in various scientific disciplines, so it can be pretty difficult to figure out what some scientific papers are saying. And because in science you can never actually completely prove a hypothesis, the best scientific knowledge can change over time. Add to that the problem that, despite peer review, scientific papers can turn out to be either on purpose or because of sloppy work, just plain wrong. But how the heck are regular folks supposed to know if what a scientific paper asserts is the most accurate view on a subject. One way is to check whether scientists have discovered problems with a particular paper. If the problem is serious enough, the paper will often be withdrawn or retracted. In other words, the journal that published the paper will say that it no longer meets scientific review and is essentially pulled from the publisher's catalog. Sometimes the authors of an article will themselves ask for an article that they authored to be retracted, if they subsequently find new information that contradicts their paper, or if they discovered that they made a mistake in calculations or whatever that was not caught in the review process. In other cases, the journal editors make the decision on retraction when problems that can't be rectified are brought to their attention. It's all part of the process of science continually trying to correct itself. Well, that's fine, we may say, but how the heck are we supposed to know if a scientific paper has been retracted? Luckily for us, Retraction Watch at https colon slash slash retractionwatch.com is doing what most of us are unable to do, keeping an eye on papers that are retracted and keeping a database of those papers so we can check on whether a particular paper has been retracted, and we can do it right on the web. Thus, you think that this is an archaic activity suited just for nerds who have nothing better to do, and that retracted papers have little or nothing to do with our daily lives. Consider, for example, a paper entitled Lymphoid nodular hyperplasia, nonspecific colitis, and Pervasive Developmental Disorder in Children. What the heck? Okay, we don't know what all those words mean either without looking them up, but we do know the effect that this paper has had when it was more or less summarized in English. The gist of this paper claimed that vaccinations can cause many kinds of serious medical problems in children. This paper was published back in 1998 in the very reputable journal Lancet, and it took 12 years until it became clear enough that the paper was very flawed and the paper was retracted. But in the meantime, it helped to cause an anti-vaccine frenzy that is still alive in some parts of the population today as we try to get COVID under control. In fact, this is the second most cited paper in the whole Retraction Watch database. And a very disturbing fact is that this paper though retracted in 2010, has been cited over 700 times in other papers after it was shown to be wrong and retracted. A stop at retraction watch is not at all a bad idea when someone runs up to breathlessly tell us that a science paper says this or that about something of important societal interest, especially if it seems to run counter to common sense. Okay, so now we have some tools to help us to evaluate everyday information and scientific information. We still have an information problem on the web. We are probably only seeing news and information and opinions on the web that tend to reinforce what we already think. A fellow from Lincolnville named Eli Pariser coined the term filter bubble to describe how social media sites and search tools like Google do their best to provide us with news and information that we will like in both the Facebook sense and in the common sense use of the term. In other words, we are very unlikely to come across ideas or points of view on the web that are very different from our own, unless we make a special effort to do so. Look up Eli's TED Talk, or take a look at his book, The Filter Bubble, at your local library or bookstore to get more info on the idea. If you don't believe that filter bubbles are real, sit down with a friend or co-worker or acquaintance who has a significantly different point of view from yours about current events. Using your own computers, search for exactly the same terms using Google or Facebook News, for example, and see what happens. What will happen is that you and your friend will see very different results even when using identical search terms. Why? Because Google and Facebook and other services have profiles of what we've looked at before and how long we've stayed on sites they suggested, and so they feed us more of what they figured out we like. So we'll click through more on Google, and every click makes Google money, of course, and the longer we stay on Facebook, the more information Facebook can sell about us to advertisers. Many of us don't realize that we're in these filter bubbles since they're so comfortable. We seldom come across things that are so different from what we think that they really upset us. But maybe we should come across some of those things, especially in this so very fractured country that we live in today. For those who would like to stick their heads outside of the filter bubbles that the big tech companies have constructed for us, there are some tools that are available on the web to do just that. And we'll look at some of those, like allsides.com and themarkup.org, right here on future editions of Notes from the Electronic Cottage.